Sunday morning. Grab your handbooks now. Uh, let's stand together. Brother Ken's going to come lead us. Let's make a joyful noise. Brother Ken. Page number 246 this morning. Page 246. There you go. Switching over. Page 246 this morning. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. We'll do uh, first, second, and last verse this morning. Page 246. Redeem how I love to proclaim it. Redeem by the blood of the Lamb. Redeem through His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Redeem, redeem, redeem by the blood of the Lamb. song. Thank you, Brother Ken. Appreciate that. We'll open up in prayer this morning. A couple of quick requests. I want you to continue to lift up Brother Buck Bowen. He's home recuperating from double pneumonia, uh, but we're thankful that he's at home and doing better. Pray also, I know many of you have already heard about this, but pray for our college and the family of Brother Kenny Wade, uh, basketball coach, assistant athletic director who was tragically killed in a car accident on uh, Thursday. Pray for that uh, situation. The family services will be tomorrow. Wonderful, godly young man. Know where he is, uh, but I want you to pray for the family if you would. Shane, take us to the throne of grace. Uh, let's ask God's presence upon our services. Pray for us, buddy. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just don't take it for granted, Lord, the opportunity to be in your house. Father, I'm just thankful for letting you just allow me to be here, Lord. Father, all of those that are here, Lord, I ask that you just lay your blessings upon them. And Father, those that aren't here, Lord, I ask, just be it sick or, or work, whatever it is, Lord, I ask that you just pass the blessings along to them. Father, I just ask that you bless Brother Greg today throughout the service. Father, I ask that you bless the play practice this afternoon, the shower for Nick and Lydia. Father, I ask that you just lay your blessings upon us, Lord, as we're going to be in your house all day, Lord, and I just ask that you just stay with us. Father, just bless the preaching time to come, Lord, and if there's anyone here today that's not saved, Lord, I ask that you just make today the day that they give their lives to you. Father, I love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. How many of you would hold that mic up? How many of you would have to say amen that God's been good to you? Amen. Brother Ken does such a good job on this song. I want you to listen to him sing, You've Been Good to Me. Protecting me. Though I've had my share of troubles, I must confess to this reality. When I look back on my yesterdays, I have to raise my hands and say, Lord, you've been good to me. Just want to pray. 
wonderful choir. Thank you so much. Quick announcements. Uh, first of all, I want to invite everyone to remain with us after the services this morning. Uh, we'll be hosting the wedding shower for Lydia and for Nick Wayside Baptist. My father-in-law's church will be joining us. Uh, lunch is provided, so we do hope you'll uh, stick around for us. Uh, need to give you some updates uh, regarding our play practice schedule. A couple of little changes. We are practicing today, kicking off. Our Christmas drama, Just Scene 1 Only. Your bulletin says Scenes 1 and 2, but it is Just Scene 1 Only. Uh, here's the tentative schedule. Of course, it will actually begin after the wedding shower, and we have to get everything set back up downstairs uh, uh, for our child care center. So at 2.30, we're hoping uh, to meet with all of the backstage folks, and then we will begin at 3 o'clock for our uh, Scene 1 practice. Again, 2.30 backstage folks, Scene 1, tentatively 3 o'clock. If we get done downstairs a little bit sooner, we may bump those up. We'll have to play that by ear. No evening services tonight. We'll be practicing throughout the afternoon, uh, so please keep that in mind if you would. And then, of course, uh, I am still looking for a couple of folks who can help us. We've got most of the slots filled for our college nights, uh, uh, cooking the meals on Tuesday evening. I'm looking for just a couple of more. If you can help me out with that, I'd sure appreciate it. This coming Friday, there will be a teen and young adult activity at Brother Ken and Miss Susan's house. That begins at 6 o'clock uh, with dinner provided. And then, uh, of course, uh, we've got all of the new information in there for Brother Delmas and Sister Annette Rohr. And I will have some other details in there for you next week. Brother Delmas came to me the night they joined and asked if he could uh, uh, continue his nursing home ministry at uh, the uh, 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 Blue Ridge up in Stewart as an outreach of our church. I said, are you kidding me? I'd love for you to. So on the third Saturday, Brother Delmas, is that right? Second Saturday, second Saturday of every month, beginning in October. Uh, we've got a couple of our shut-ins up there, so uh, I'll put all that information. we got others in our church who do our nursing home outreach, and I cannot thank you enough for that. I am very grateful for it. So we'll include that information as well in your bulletins, and we are so grateful for everybody's ministry. One of the things I love about our church, candidly, is the fact folks recognize that ministry is not one man's job. That is everybody's job, and I appreciate so much folks' willingness to help out in so many of these capacities. Of course, today is moving up Sunday from our Sunday school, children's church, and junior church, so that means some folks you may be going in a couple of different locations, youngsters. Uh, the teachers will help you to know exactly where to go. So as we do that, let me get all the little ones that are heading uh, to children's church and junior church. Come run on down here now. Make your way. If you're visiting with us, they're going to collect any loose change that you have. We call this our penny. March. Uh, this supports our children's uh, and our young adult and uh, ladies' ministries. Take off, young folks.
All right, you're heading to Children's Church, Junior Church. Come on this morning. the quick uh, announcements and prayer requests fellas go ahead and make your way down if you wouldn't those that are singing with uh, uh, Lydia you all come on this morning for those that are singing for the offering uh, want you to pray for brother John Wasoski. he goes for some outpatient surgery on September the 17th and then of course pray for brother Eddie Gunner as well he's already headed out on his missions trip I'll talk to you more about that in just a few moments but pray for brother Eddie it is our privilege and our honor to support him in the work that he does he's been so good to our church and I'm glad for him to be able to pay it for it on our behalf uh, for the work he does across the country. Let's pray this morning. Lord, thank you for the opportunity again to be in your house. Pray for the offering this morning. Lord, I pray for those that are singing. And Lord, thank you for those that are so faithful to give uh, as mandated under the Lord. Bless us today in Christ's name. Amen. Saying you keep dismissing Do you know how it feels To be troubled inside To think that just for you On the cross someone died Do you know how it feels When he knocks to surrender Have your sins washed away Never to be remembered And know that it's real Tell me do Everything. How does it feel to 
Amen. Uh, get a bus and let's hit the road. Amen. That's awesome, ladies. Thank you so much. Appreciate that immensely. Uh, I said a moment ago that uh, I am so grateful for all of the ministry work that so many people do around our church. I am privileged when I get to talk to other pastors. They are, are blown away, candidly, by all the work that so many other people do here in our church. And I want you to know I don't take it for granted uh, by any. I always feel like a good church is really like a duck paddling on the water. All we see is smooth sailing up top, but underneath there are folks who are just going like this all the time, and I'm very grateful for that. But I want to recognize one person this morning, and by no means am I trying to single somebody out, uh, but we have someone who is so faithful to do something that seems on its surface so menial, uh, but without it, we'd be in a whole heap of trouble. Brother Daryl, I want you to make your way down here, buddy. I love you, Brother Daryl. Hi. Come on, man. I never have to ask Brother Daryl to do this parking lot. In fact, every time I say that we're doing X service or this special service or that special service, he comes to me and says, Preacher, I got it taken care of. Don't worry about a thing. I absolutely love that. And it doesn't matter if we got 50 cars out there or 250 cars out there. He is here ready to do the work, and I love him, and I want him to know that we love him as well. This is for you, buddy. Thank you, Brother Daryl. Appreciate you so very much. Uh, all right, uh, uh, Brother Ken, you come get us a song to fellowship this morning, and then I will tell you very quickly, after we have our song of fellowship, we're going to take up the special offering for Brother Eddie on his missions trip. Uh, everything that you give in that offering will go to that missions project. If you want to make a check out, make it out to SAGBC. If you want to use our online system, uh, Brother Scott has set up a special missions account. You can tap that, and that check will be deposited for him as he's doing his missions work. Uh, let's stand together. Brother Ken. Amen. Page 203 now in your blue song book. The windows of heaven will sing it one time through. Fellowship a while. Page number 203.
right. Thank you so very much. Thank you so very much. One more prayer request we just received. Pray for Brother Doug Clark's, excuse, uh, Brother Donnie, did I say his that? Uh, been diagnosed with cancer. Uh, please pray for him. And I say this all the time, especially on Wednesday nights, but uh, I, I am so looking forward to the day when cancer is removed from my vocabulary. What a scary, scary diagnosis. But I also take comfort in the fact that God knows what he's doing. Fellas, make your way down one more time, if you would. Uh, it is our privilege and honor to support Brother Eddie in this ministry. It is one of the most unique ministries. Uh, I, I've had so many pastors tell me what a blessing he and Miss Patsy are and the work that they do all over this country. And I appreciate our church's support of him every month, but also the things that you give. It's something that Renee and I contribute to. We make it part of our offerings, and we ask you to do that as well this morning. Lord, thank you for Brother Eddie, for Miss Patsy, and the work you've called them to do. I pray for Brother Eddie. Lord, keep him safe as he travels. Bless the churches that he's ministering to uh, this uh, week and this month. Lord, we'll thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Come on, Brother Ken. Amen. This was requested by Miss Renee this morning. I told the song, Bless Your Heart. I know everybody knows it. Sing along with me if you care to. I'm on the winning side. Once I drifted out in sin, had no hope nor joy within, and my soul was burdened down with pride. Then my Savior came along, and He showed me I was wrong.
Matthew chapter 15 this morning. That was awesome, Brother Ken. Matthew chapter number 15, if you would, please. Matthew chapter 15. We will begin our text this morning in verse number 21. And we will read down through verse number 28, a passage of Scripture that I love, love, love to preach from for a lot of reasons I'll share with you this morning. Passage that perhaps most of you are likely familiar with if you've been in church and saved for any length of time. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. If you found your spot, say amen. Let's read it together. Verse 21. Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coasts and cried unto him, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. His disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away. For she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. She said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, thank you uh, for the fact that your word, when delivered, will not return void. Lord, thank you for your presence this morning. Lord, how good it's already been to spend some time in your house with your people worshiping your son. God, we come now to the critical part of the hour, not because I'm doing it, but because you ordained the foolishness of preaching. So, Lord, I pray that you'd take the outline, that you'd use it to be a blessing to your folk. Lord, forgive me of any unconfessed sin. Lord, use me this morning, and most especially... If there's a lost soul here today, I pray that the Spirit of God would do the work that only the Holy Ghost can do. And woo them so that they might make a decision for the cause of Christ. Lord, we love you, but most of all, we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' sweet name I pray, amen. A senior citizen couple was celebrating their golden anniversary, 50 years of marital wedded bliss. The, 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 the couple was notorious for their sense of humor, uh, 
their jovial nature, the fun they seemed to have with each other, the fact that they liked each other and loved each other and were so enjoying each other's company. So at their golden wedding anniversary celebration, one of the children said, Mom and Dad, can you tell us uh, what your secret is? Uh, how have you remained so happily married for 50 years? Before the wife could say a word, the husband said, uh, Well, son, I had this whole thing figured out uh, on our honeymoon. Her son's eyes got big and said, What do you mean, Dad? He said, Well, on our honeymoon, uh, we went to the Grand Canyon. We rented a mule, uh, one for each of us, a pair of them, so that we could take a trip uh, down inside the Grand Canyon. And on the way down, uh, your mother's mule stumbled, and she looked over at that mule and said, Strike one. A few feet down, uh, the mule stumbled again, and she looked over at the mule and said, Strike two. About halfway down or close to the bottom, the mule stumbled a third time, and your mother uh, whipped out her pistol and said, strike three, and shot the mule clean through the head. I looked over at your mother and began to protest for her complete cruelty, uh, and she looked at me and went, strike one. <laughs> and she said, since then, it's been smooth sailing. Amen. Amen. I often share that some of you are looking at each other like, I got a plan now. <laughs> the only amen I'll get out of her all day. <laughs> I was sitting in my office a few weeks ago, and I received an email from an old friend that I used to teach with in public school. Twelve years I spent teaching second and third grade, loved every second of it. And the friend sent me an email, and I knew it was uh, uh, going to be good uh, when the uh, subject line said, Hey, preacher. And so I read the email, and contained in the contents of the email was a simple statement. I've been praying for my son for 25 years, and last Sunday he got saved. 25 years. One of the things that popped into my head is what would have happened if she'd have stopped after 24? What would have happened if she'd have said, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I never seemed to get the answer. And so I'm just going to give up. My heart was immediately taken back to this passage of Scripture. A passage that candidly I love to preach out of. Because it's a reminder to us that just because that we don't get the answer we want when we want uh, doesn't mean that we quit begging God for the answer. This is a beautiful story of a mother that most of us can relate to. I say that because most of you will agree with me that there's no one in the world that can bring us more pain and more pleasure than our children. When our children are happy, we're happy. When our children hurt, we hurt. Even as they become adults, when they hurt, we hurt. Every parent, every grandparent, uh, every aunt, every uncle, uh, everyone who's ever had a hand in helping to raise a child, you understand that when your children uh, are in spiritual battles, uh, our heart breaks. We know very little about this mother. We don't even know her name, but we do know 
that she came to Jesus and her life was forever changed because of that encounter. You see, I want you to understand something this morning, folks. There's two miracles that happen in this story. There is the one miracle uh, where the daughter uh, who was possessed by sin uh, was divinely delivered, and we say amen to that. But there's a second miracle uh, because I believe this mother uh, who also uh, was living a life of sin because she was not a believer in Christ uh, was at this point gloriously born again. She came with a need and she refused to be denied. May I say to you this morning that we need folks in our day who possess this same steely determination. That simply says, uh, because God has not answered my prayer today, I'm going to pray again tomorrow. And if he doesn't answer my prayer tomorrow, I'm going to pray again the next day. uh, And I'm not going to quit praying uh, until the answer uh, is from heaven. So I want to give you a message this morning. I'm entitling crumbs from a king. Crumbs from a king. Three things that I ask you to look at with me this morning. Note with me, first of all, this mother's position. This mother's position. Again, there is very little that we know about her. However, what we do know is quite telling. Because the things that we do know are simple. We know, first of all, her race. According to verse number 22, the scripture says that she is a woman of Canaan. If you were to read this in Mark's gospel, you would get further details. You would discover that she was Greek, uh, and she was a Syrophoenician as well. Uh, you say, preacher, what is going on with that? Uh, uh, why does that contradict? That's not a contradiction. Uh, the fact uh, that she's from Canaan, uh, a Greek, and Syrophoenician is like we're saying we're American, uh, live in Virginia, and a resident of Henry County. All of those mean the same thing. Uh, each of those just further hones in where she's located, uh, where she resides. But here's what you need to take from this church. The fact that Matthew tells us that she's from Canaan is important because it lets us know that she was a member of a condemned race. What do you mean, preacher? When Moses was given the commandment and and subsequently Joshua was given the commandment to take over the promised land, to possess the promised land, you will recall that the commandment was also coupled with the requirement to rid everyone of the Canaanites. I know this does not often fit our 21st century mentality, uh, but they were to completely destroy the Canaanites uh, because the Canaanites were idolatrous, uh, they were wicked, uh, they did not serve God, and God knew that if the Canaanites were not destroyed, uh, that problems would arise. You know the story. uh, The Israelites allowed the Canaanites to survive. Uh, Survival later became thrive, uh, and subsequently all kinds of problems happened uh, between the Israelites and the Canaanites. Fast forward now, some 1,500 years, and you have the same problem still. I think people have a misconception of who the residents of Israel were at this time. Most people seem to believe that Israel was comprised of nothing but Jews, but nothing could be further from the truth. 
There were Jews. Uh, there were Greeks. Uh, there were Gentiles. Uh, there were those that knew God. Uh, there were those that didn't know God. If you go to Israel today, uh, you'll find Jews. Uh, you'll find Christians. Uh, you'll find Muslims. Uh, you'll find atheists. Uh, it is a literal melting pot of beliefs and denominations and nationalities uh, as it was in the Lord's day. Here's what I want you to understand. You've got a Canaanite woman who doesn't know God, who is not saved, who's not part of the family of God. She's making her way to the Jewish Messiah to offer help. She's part of a condemned race. Say, preacher, what's the big deal? It's a really big deal. Because may I remind everyone in the building this morning that we too are part of a condemned race. Oh, I'm not talking about your Caucasian race or your African-American race or your Native American race or any other race. I'm talking about the race of humanity. My Bible is very clear that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. My Bible is further clear when it tells me that the wages of sin is death. Death, I want you to understand that because we are part of the race of humanity, we are a condemned race. Go on and note with me. Not only... Do you note this woman's race? I also want you to see her reality. Her reality. She makes a very passionate plea. In the second part of verse 22, when she says that my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. This poor mother is facing a tragic situation. If you've been in this church any length of time, you've heard me talk at length about the realities of demonic possession. I'm not going to belabor the point, but I will simply say to you uh, that some 2,000 years past this statement, uh, demonic possession is as real today as it ever was. We like to fancy it up and call it all kinds of different names and ideas, uh, but the reality is sin uh, is still as real today as it ever was. There are some of you in here today you have children who've dabbled in drugs. You have children who are in alcohol. You have children who've been in immoral situations. Many of us have family members, have loved ones who are lost. May I say to you that the drug addict, you hear what I'm about to say, the drug addict is no more lost than the CEO who's never been saved. The, the, the drunk on the street is no more lost than the good doctor who waits on you at the medical office who doesn't know the Lord Jesus. Sin is no respecter of persons. May I submit to you that the harsh reality is that sin brings misery, sin brings death, and we can look around in our society and see the effects of sin everywhere. A reality. But I want you to note the part of this that I think most of us find difficult. We go from what I called her race, her reality, to the part of this that is troubling on every level, her rejection. For if you look at the first part of verse 23, it says, and note what, read it directly with me if you would, he answered her not a word. She's made a passionate plea to the Lord. She has said, Lord, my son, my, my daughter is vexed with the devil. And in response, Jesus says nothing. Why? Why would he ignore her? She had raised a very real need. But 
Jesus did not respond to her. I think the answer to that is found in how she addresses him. If you go back into verse 22, uh, you will note uh, that when in speaking to him, uh, she says, uh, Have mercy on me, O Lord. Note the next clause, Thou son of David. Thou son of David. This is the Lord's Jewish title. By calling him Lord, lowercase, comma, Thou son of David. What she's referencing him is a name that is reserved for the Jews. She's not calling him Messiah. She's not calling him Jehovah. That would be all capital letters. She's not calling him Yahweh. She's not referencing his divinity. She's referencing the fact that he is a quote-unquote magic healer residing in the Jewish race. Do you understand this morning that there is a big difference between speaking the name of Jesus and believing the name of Jesus? Do you understand this morning that we could talk all day long about whether or not Jesus is the Son of God, but when we accept Him as Lord and Savior of our lives, when we accept His wooing, when we accept the Spirit of God's calling unto us, that births us into the family of God. The old-timers used to talk about head knowledge and heart knowledge, and I don't always agree with that terminology, but I will submit to you this morning that there are a lot of people who talk about Jesus that don't know Jesus. And everybody who says the name Jesus does not recognize Jesus as anything other than a divine healer. There are people who looked at Jesus and recognized the miracles and they wanted to be around him for the divine miracles. But they would not accept him as Lord of their lives. So when she calls him, thou son of David, he says not a word. I want you to understand what I'm about to say because I say it respectfully. Our Lord is a God of mercy, but he knows those that belong to him and those who don't. John chapter 10 says it like this. Jesus speaking himself says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and I give unto them eternal life. I used to hear the old-timers say things like this. The only prayer that Jesus ever hears from a lost person is, Lord, save me. I may not like that ideology, but if I'm reading this correctly, that makes a whole lot of sense. Because when she pleads with him using his Jewish title, when she calls out to him using his Jewish moniker, he says not a word. Her race, her reality, her rejection. And boy, look at the latter part of verse 23. Her reproach is stinging. His disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. Every time I read that, I think to myself, them disciples had to be independent fundamental Baptists. Had to be. They were not sympathetic. They, they, they asked for the Lord to send her away. Why? Because she's a Gentile. She's a woman associated with a, with a sinful people. She has no business here. She has no business talking to the Lord like that. Send her away. 
May I pause just a moment and make what I hope won't be too controversial a statement? But I believe the greatest sin in the Baptist church today is the lack of compassion we have for the lost. Amen. The greatest sin, the thing that keeps people out that door and from coming in is the lack of compassion that often gets displayed for those that don't know the Lord. May I say to you, uh, every drug addict you encounter, there before the grace of God go you and me. Every drunk that we encounter, there before the grace of God go you and me. You come here on Wednesday nights and you listen to prayer requests and you will hear people uh, whose lives are snuffed away. Uh, You will hear situations uh, that will curl your toes. Uh, And may I say to you uh, that the only difference, amen, uh, between us uh, and the drunk on the street uh, is that we met a loving God. So I submit to you, when we sing that song, Bring Them In, it doesn't mean those that look, smell, walk, talk, and act just like us. Every race, creed, color, nationality. Don't misunderstand me. I believe when God cleans up the inside, He'll start working on the outside. But we spend far too much of our time on the outside when God specializes on changing the inside. Number one this morning. Note with me, if you would, this woman's petition. This woman's position. This woman's position. Number two, this mother's petition. We go from her position to her petition. Again, her request is clear. Verse 22, we've read it a few times. She said, have mercy on me. O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. There is so much in this statement that we don't know. But I think we can fill in the gaps. I get the feeling that this wasn't her first attempt to help this girl. I can't help but think that she'd gone to the local doctors. I can't help but think that she'd gone to the local drugs, uh, if you will. Uh, She'd tried everything that she knew to try, uh, everything locally that they need to do. uh, But I cannot help but think, reading between the lines, that somebody told her about this man, Jesus. I can't help but think that somebody, perhaps a Jewish friend or or Jewish acquaintance that she knew, uh, somebody told her uh, that though she had tried every physician, uh, though she'd done everything she humanly do, uh, there was somebody else uh, who might just have an answer. So she risked everything to get to Jesus. What a lesson, parents. I'm going to say something. I hope you'll not throw your Bibles at me, but if you do, it's okay. One of my great concerns is today that we want our kids to get just enough of God to stay out of jail. We want them to get just enough of God to stay off drugs. We want them to get just enough of God to not get pregnant, to to not do something stupid. We want them to get just enough God. We just don't want them to get all the way in. Because when you get all the way in, things start changing. May I say to you, uh, my heart's desire for every young person, every young adult, every teenager, every mom and dad, every grandparent, I don't want you just to know him. I hope you fall in love with him. I hope you recognize him, that you take him to the house, that you take him to work, that you take him out on your dates, that you take him to your place of employment. Yes, I said you take him out on your dates. Because when he's with you everywhere... It'll change your life completely. And 
That's what this mother did. I cannot not, can I, I wish y'all could sometimes see from my point of view. I, when, I, when I'm going through that little spiel just now, and I said, uh, take them on your dates, there were some parents uh, and some both friends and girlfriends who went, yeah, man. I want you to note with me this morning. The request becomes the response. And I can't help but think that what he said was not what she anticipated. In verse 24, he answered her and said, I'm not sent unto the lost, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Verse 26, he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Whoa. In verse 24, he says, If I may paraphrase, I'm to the Jew first. And in verse 26, uh, he said, uh, the, the, the family hasn't dined yet, so I can't cast the food to the dogs. I don't know about you, but if somebody called me that, I might be just a little bit insulted. I might be just a little bit offended. First, you ignore me. And then when you finally do speak to me, you call me a dog. I don't believe my flesh likes that too much. But would you listen to me very carefully? In my 17 years of pastoring and 40-some years of being saved, uh, 25 years of preaching, here's what I've learned. Oftentimes when God is silent or we don't like the answer He gives, He is doing something so powerful, so strong. Uh, he is doing something that I like to call increasing our faith. Let me give you an example. When our kids were little, and uh, along about November, the Christmas ads would start playing. And it would seem like every commercial was a new toy. And, and our kids would sit in front of the TV, and, and every time a new toy came on, uh, one of them would say, Daddy, that's what I want for Christmas. And then another commercial would come on with another toy. Daddy, that's what I want for Christmas. Uh, they just forgot about the thing they said 15 seconds ago. You know what I learned then? Uh, that our wants really don't determine our needs. And I would used to say things like, oh, you can't have everything. Quit asking. And it dawned on me one day uh, that if I would just keep my trap shut, I would soon learn what really they wanted and what they didn't want. I can't help but wonder if God doesn't do the same for us. You see, when we get on this altar and we ask Him for something one time, I believe if we're right with God and our hearts are clear, He hears us, He listens to us, He knows the desires of our heart. But may I be candid with you, if it's a one and done type thing, do we really, really want it? But if it's something we are continually bringing to the throne room, uh, that we are continually asking God, uh, He is allowing us the opportunity, hear me, uh, to increase our faith uh, and to draw nigh to Him while He draws nigh to us. So listen to what I'm about to say. It's hard to hear, but sometimes God is silent. Sometimes God says, not now. And sometimes God even says, no. 
But in each of those cases, uh, may I submit to you, uh, he's not doing it for his benefit, but honey, he's doing it for our benefit. It just means uh, that there is a greater yes uh, that if you will wait for him uh, and listen to him uh, and follow his plan, uh, that what he's got for you uh, may well be greater than what you're even asking for now. There are people in this room this morning, evidence of that. You waited on God to bring the answer, and what you ended up with was far greater than what you thought you needed at the time. God's timing is always right, even when it feels like he's late. Notice, we transition from the request, the response, to the realization. How do I know that God was increasing her faith? Look what happens in verse 25. Notice that I want to say it very clearly. Then came she and worshipped him. Worshipped him. May I say to you at this moment, everything changes for this woman. She's not just calling him a title. She's not just singling him out as a miracle worker. She's not just saying to him, you can do something divine. She's coming to him now as a Lord, if you will, and she worships him. And then the next statement I think is so powerful. She says, Lord, help me. Wait a minute, preacher. I thought she was there to get help for her daughter. May I say to you, yes, her daughter needed a deliverance. But what this precious mother soon discovers is that she too needed to be delivered. Amen. What she figures out is, yes, her daughter needed to be delivered of a demon, but she needed to be delivered from her old sinful life. And so she bows on her knees. The word worship means ascribing worth. She proclaims him to be Lord, and she says, Lord, help me. Take you back. To the moment when on the Sea of Galilee, the storms are raging, the water's pounding, the waves are crashing, the the clouds are raging, the wind is swishing back and forth, uh, and there's one man who steps out of the boat. Peter gets so much flack because he sinks, uh, but I'm reminded of the fact that there was 12 disciples on that boat, and there won't be one that stepped out. I get so tired of people criticizing somebody for doing something. We sit on our seats and do nothing and criticize those who try to do something. So he steps out. And he's making his way to the Lord. But the storm is still raging. And it's so often the case in our human flesh. We take our eyes off the Lord. We put our eyes on the storm. And he begins to sink. And Peter prays the most powerful three-letter word ever prayed. Our three-word prayer. Lord, save me. And instantly there's a hand. Same thing this woman says. Lord, help me. May I submit to you that what was the position of this mother, the petition of this mother becomes the provision of this mother. For in verse 28, the Lord recognizes her faith. Verse 28, then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Earlier, 
Jesus ignores her. He doesn't respond to her request. Now Jesus is taking notice. Why? Because now, listen to what I'm about to say, she's not looking to him as some miracle worker. She's looking to him in faith. You hear what I'm about to say? The hand, listen, the hand of faith that is stretched out to our God has never once come back empty-handed. Help me in. The hand of faith stretched out to a righteous, holy God has never come back empty. This woman is the same. For it says in the last clause, do as thou wilt. Can I paraphrase that? He says, whatever you need, I got it. Hear me. Whatever your situation, you brought it to the right place. Whatever your problem, I'm the problem solver. Whatever your challenge, I'm the challenge maker. Whatever your deficit, I'm the one you need to be at. But not because I'm a miracle worker, because I'm king of kings. Notice the last clause this morning. We'll be done. Verse 28, the latter part, it says, Be it unto thee as thou wilt, and her daughter was made whole from that very hour. You know what I find fascinating about this? I, I don't know this to be the case, but I think I'm right. I don't even know if she had her daughter with her. It doesn't say that she's got the hand of her daughter. It doesn't say that she brought her daughter. It doesn't say that she presented her daughter. I think she was there because perhaps she was afraid to bring this girl out in public again. Perhaps she was too embarrassed over the way this child was conducting herself. She, I love this. She comes and petitions on her daughter's behalf. She gets saved and her daughter gets healed. Why? Because she comes in faith. You hear my statement Persistent faith is rewarded. The Lord said it like this. If you've got the, grain, the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But you, if you're like me, you have to admit the fact there are times we pray and our faith is weak. There are times we pray and there's this little voice in the back of our head. Marcia sang about it this morning that said, There is nobody there listening to you. Nobody can hear you. Nobody's going to respond to you. Nobody is paying any attention to you. You are wasting your time. And when that happens, I go back to every prayer he's answered for me. <laughs> I go back to the time I knelt and the blood fell. I go back to how good he's been to my family. I go back to every time I've knelt in prayer and God gave and gave and gave and dropped even more than I asked for. And so I listen to that little voice and then I have to tamp it down and remind myself that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I have to tell the enemy to shut her down because I'm right in the throne room of grace. So let me ask you this morning, don't raise your hand. How many of you have been praying for something for a long time? You've yet to get the answer. Can I encourage you? Pray again.
And if you don't get the answer today, pray again. If you don't get the answer tomorrow, pray again. But now let me close with this. If you're here today and you're like this precious Syrophoenician woman and you're looking at him and you know about him but you don't know him, let me introduce him to you. Would you stand this morning? Before Renee plays a single note of music, before Brother Ken sings a word, I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me. Close your eyes. And if you're one of those folks who've been praying for something for a really long time, and God hasn't answered yet, it might be salvation of a loved one, might be a situation, might be a circumstance. You really are asking God to intervene. Why don't you step out? There's a lot of folks who are already moved. Why don't you come right now? Pray again. Pray again. Pray again. Pray again. Pray again. Now I want to ask you this, and I ask you to be kind and respectful of those around you, and nobody look. Is there anyone in here this morning that would be open and honest and heads bowed, guys? Come on, help me out. You'd be open and honest. And you'd say, Pastor, I'm like the woman. First thing I need to do is meet him. I don't know him. I'm not saved. Pray for me this morning. Anyone like that? Anyone like that? Father, thank you for your presence today. This altar is full of people who are bringing a petition to you. And Lord, it's probably a petition that you've heard before. But you are, for whatever reason, increasing their faith. The answer has not been given. So Lord, they're doing what you've commanded us in your word to do. Pray one more time. Bless the invitation. In Christ's name. Brother Ken, I want you to sing just a verse. Would you do that? You know this, sing it, church.
to thee. Amen. Amen. Oh, how we need him. I want to invite you to join us downstairs for lunch. It's already prepared. Uh, we've got some visitors and some guests, so let me give you a couple of things. The easiest way, if you can navigate steps, is to go down either this side or the side back there. If you cannot navigate steps, you can certainly drive around, and we've got an entrance downstairs. Uh, please join us. We've got lots of food. We'll have a good time. My father-in-law's church is also coming over, so we invite you to stay with us. Again, play practice, 2.30. For the backstage folks, 3 o'clock, scene one, no service tonight. We also ask you to help us get things ready downstairs after the shower, uh, and if you'll help us with that, it'll go very quickly. Father, thank you so much for your presence today. Thank you for meeting with us this morning. God, it's just been good to be in your house. Lord, I thank you for the meal that's been prepared. Lord, for the celebration, uh, for, the, for the wedding, for uh, Brother Nick and Lydia. I pray that you'd bless them as they plan their lives together. Give us a good time this afternoon in Christ's name. Amen. Let's head down together, folks.